Football winds in, feeds it back across, Kachuk in, scores! Brady Kachuk takes it two to nothing! Kachuk picks it up, loose it, but Football scores! Oh, what a pass by Pantheson through, two to the end of that! Kachuk, Football over, and score! Kachuk slides that back to Shabbat, winds it, shoots, hits it, and a score! Pantheson again, and the game is tied! It's Tall Can Audio. Opening night in the NHL, it sends in hurricanes to kick things off. Welcome inside an all-new edition of the Tall Can Audio podcast as we tee up the season for the Ottawa Senators. Our buddy Graham Nichols is back to help me do it. How's it going today, man? Not too bad. How are you doing, Matt? We're uh, we're doing all right here. A little Mr. Brightside to bring us in. Get all the Sens fans a, a slightly different version to it, right? A little little heavier. I kind of like that. It's no Brady version. No, it's no Brady. Few, few are, right? Uh, Mr. Brightside this summer as... Uh, I think the man got married, so congratulations to him. I'm sure he's listening to the podcast. Uh, we're on social media, at Talkan Audio. He is on Twitter, or is it X, but uh, Graham Nichols, uh, the Roman A Day blog. Um, I'm glad you came back, man, and we've done this a couple years in a row now, and uh, I think this is the first time we've done it in person, so that's kind of cool. Um, just maybe before we, we jump into anything else, just your level of anticipation or excitement for this season compared to past years yeah, it's kind of a weird year so i was writing a uh like my own kind of like storylines and things to get excited for for the for the upcoming season and as i was sitting down to craft it um like my first impression was like you know what it kind of lacks the buzz that it had last year right because coming mm. off an off season where you bring in yeah closure hot pierre summer you 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 <laughs> traded for alex to hot pierre summer everyone's like kind of fired up see where this goes and and this year it's more subdued obviously you had another alex to trade yes uh but you know somewhat less celebrated yeah somewhat less celebrated so not that good things didn't happen i think like you know if you go out and you address the goaltending position you go out and you bring in a tarasenko via free agency mm-hmm. you sign jake sanderson you're, you're doing work it's just it's not really getting the same kind of wide wide sweeping praise i would say maybe that's or interesting like fanfare i don't know like I, I just feel like the buzz isn't there as much for this year but i think there's like there's so many good storylines there's so much excitement around having a new owner and, and and the rest of it i just don't feel like it's at the same level maybe i don't know that's interesting because i i gotta tell you i'm almost getting a different vibe and maybe we're just talking to different people following different people like you're right there's less star power maybe coming in than there was last summer but Maybe Everything's buzz. building. Maybe like, I think, like, I'm not trying to say that there isn't, like, important no. stuff happening and, like, there's not a lot of, like, optimism or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm sure. saying, like, the buzz and the actual yeah. press and the headlines aren't at the level that it was last year. I think, like... I would also say, I think, this year, the league-wide, the national media is giving Ottawa a little more love in terms of, you know, their predictions, whether Ottawa's going to make it in, right? There seems to be... Ottawa seems to be a, a little bit right now from the the people I'm reading like a bit of a sweetheart pick for really because I you're see, not I getting that feel like they're okay. not getting enough credit uh, okay because I see Buffalo yeah I see Buffalo being the ones in the division who are like oh everybody watch out for Buffalo it's like well Ottawa was better than Buffalo last year mm-hmm. organically they should continue to grow I know like Buffalo Buffalo has a lot of pieces on the NHL roster who are kind of like similar to what Ottawa has but and they have a lot of pieces in their farm system but I feel like they're not quite. They're a little bit further back. You know, it might yeah, take them another year or two to get to where That's Ottawa interesting, is. yeah. To me, Buffalo's going to s- 
sink or swim with with Devin Levi, right? And how if if he's ready, if he's as good as they think he's going to be, I think they will be right there knocking on the door too. And and if he's not quite ready, then then yeah, they might struggle a little bit. But another year of of Owen Power development, another year of Rasmus Dahlin, is he going to be a I don't know, we're not here to tee up the Buffalo Sabres, but you're right. Those are the two teams in this division that are getting, and I think rightfully so. I think early on we were seeing a lot of people trying to tuck Detroit into that group, and I just don't think they're quite on the same. I, I don't know what Detroit's doing, to be honest with you. They're, uh, I don't like what they've done anywhere near as much as as, a, as Ottawa and Buffalo. But uh, yeah, I, I, I get the sense people are excited. Some of that is the the new ownership, right? Putting Everything feels more stable. We know... There is no guesswork on, like last year coming in, um, it had been a good summer, but you still don't know who's going to own the thing and where all that's going to go. Um, they're on stable footing now. And um, like you said, you got Jake Sanderson locked up long-term. Uh, all the core guys, Stutzla's here long-term, Brady's here long-term, Batherson's here long-term. So um, it all looks to be headed in the right direction. And um, yeah, that that's disappointing to me. It's It's been kind of fun to uh, to watch Ottawa kind of flounder a little bit and it, it might be fun to have some uh, battle of ontario you're uh, such a dick i know i know it's totally uh <laughs> the le- i find it's always more fun when like montreal's competitive buffalo's competitive yeah. toronto's competitive and then ottawa is like competing with well, when was the last time that all three would have been any good oh man you're probably going back to like what 2000s or yeah 2000s? like the saku koivu daniel alfredson matt sundy but then at that point it's like toronto's kind of exiting their peak mm-hmm. ottawa's kind of in on the way up apex yeah and then montreal is just kind of like that mid-tier team that can't really get over the hump and yeah then Buffalo's like oh two i think they were all in Buffalo's the playoffs and, and like yeah. that that anyway it's it would be fun but montreal is is a long way off at this point from from joining that party uh i don't know where you want to start here maybe you know we could kind of take a look at the off season that they had uh it's it's tarasenko it's corpusalo they lock up the travis hamannick thing it's hardly the biggest thing. It's not worth like going too deep in, but like it's a Jake no, Sanderson's a, fault. A He's no too good. move clause. He, Jake, right, like, Jake Sanderson's too good. It's his I, fault. I, I you want someone so. to blame? Then I guess so. Blame him. What did you think? Uh, Jake Sanderson was the big one. Um, it was an interesting contract because I think he plays. He's played seventy-seven NHL games. Yeah. Um, and there aren't many guys. I think we saw that Kaprizov was the only guy who had ever played fewer games and got a contract of of that sort of size. Um, right. And you, so, and you look at his counting numbers and you're like, okay, like four goals and like 32 points. You're right. Like, okay. Uh, that's not a ton. Like for outsiders looking at Ottawa, sure. like, oh, that's not a ton. But it's like. So there's some you, risk. There is some risk of signing a guy this early. But the, the, the counter to it is if he is everything it looks like he's going to be th- and the cap's about to explode, all of that stuff, this is a great contract for eight years. If, if this guy turns out to be that, you know, top pair Norris caliber defenseman i think it's a lot of money if you look at the scale of what the cap is at right now Mm -hmm. right and you're like oh well that's another young player that's tied up for that line but it's like over the course of those eight years like with inflation and stuff like everybody's it's like boston back in the day right like when they had like marchand bergeron and pasternak signed to like sweetheart deals and it's like wow those might have been a lot of money at the time that they signed but like you know, five, six years out of those contracts, and you're like, whoa, those, look at the savings. And like, 100%. Look, what, look what you can do with that extra money uh, at the time to, to supplement that core, right? Yep. And, you know, and that's what teams want. They want that kind of cushion, that cap cushion that they can actually go out and and augment rosters and use that cap savings and, and spend it elsewhere to improve the state of the roster. So what did you think of... I'm of, hoping Ottawa does the same down the road. I, I, and I think... 
like I said, there is some risk. It is a gamble, but it's a, I think it's a good bet, right? Like, it's a bet I would have made as well. I, I looked at that and went, ah, that's going to be good, right? Like, that's I, – I think – um, that's the way this likes, likely shakes loose. What did you think of the Tarasenko signing um, and, and the fit and how he's going to play, whether it be uh, in that top six or whether he eventually ends up back on the right side on, on the third line? How do you think this all comes together with him in the mix? Yeah, good player. Like first yeah. first impressions are a good player. Uh, they mitigated a ton of the risk. Like obviously when Ottawa was linked to Tarasenko originally, I'm like, oh God, what kind of term and yeah. what kind of term was the figure? Didn't it come out after that they had initially offered him three years and he walked away from it? Yeah, yeah. and then changed his agents yes. and a bunch of other weird stuff going on. And yeah, then you're like, the, like, the biggest concern is like, you don't want to, you know, especially for a guy who's over the age of 30, not that, you know, Players over the age of 30 can't have bounce back seasons and have good productive years. I think, like, look at Clojure, for sure, example. Yeah. Like, you know, like, he looked like he was in a, a bit of an age-related decline and then comes back last year and has, like, a huge season for the Senators. So, like, it's totally possible for these guys to do it. But I think when you're committing to a guy who – I think he's had one good, really productive year in the last three years yeah. in terms of in terms of goal scoring and everything else, I think there are some some red flags, especially if you looked at his defensive contributions last year mm-hmm. uh, between New York and St. Louis. Like, his negative – the negative value that he created with his play defensively almost <laughs> outweighed what he, what he contributed offensively. So there are, like, some minor – red flags that you can be concerned about. But I think Ottawa mitigated those slightly by offering him a one-year deal and getting him to sign a one-year deal. Yeah, and he'll be um, motivated, right? Like, Yeah, for sure. But he's also, he, he's he's in a mercenary territory, right? So like ultimately, what's what's the organization's plan? I think it's, it's you have that guy. And I suppose if you're out of it, um, he does have a full no trade clause so he can kind of control where he goes. So if the team is out of it, they could trade him at the deadline if they needed to. But yep. uh, hopefully they're in the playoff uh, mix and, and there's an opportunity for that. But I mean, like, He's only he, on a one-year deal, he, so he's going to be motivated to put up points, put oh, up numbers sure. to get paid next summer. For right? sure, so, and at the same and at the, the same sentiment, uh, Ottawa can turn around next year in a, probably a better free agent class and yep. say, okay, let's reallocate this money towards a better player, 100%. potentially. Yep. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I guess like the only the only issue with Tarasenko is are you know the cap complications that were created out of it, right? Sure. You know, Ottawa's pressed up against the cap; they're trying to sign Shane Pinto. Um, who hasn't been signed to this point? And yeah, as we sit here now, that's not done. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know what? What do they do next? That, and that's the big question. Like, do you trade a Matthew Joseph? Do you look at alternatives? Uh, what do you do to create that cap savings? And from all reports, it's Matt Joseph who um, teams are willing to take on, and it provided Ottawa provides a sweetener. Yeah. And, and you know, this is just the complication of the the cap mess that kind of Pierre has created a little bit. They have five million dollars in dead cap money. Um. And, you know, that's, that's not even without acknowledging the fact that they traded a second-round pick last year to get Nikita Zaitsov's money right. off the books. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I was having a conversation with a buddy the other night. It's like, well, what was the long-term plan if Alex Dabrinkat actually wanted to stay? <laughs> like, where, like, where would the money yeah, have come point. from? Yeah. Like, like, where would the money have come from? And it's, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, I don't know if it's death by a thousand cuts or, or just mismanagement and inefficiencies and not targeting the right players when. But, um, because all, the st- all their stars are on pretty reasonable contracts, right. right? Like all the top players, you're like, that's yeah, a pretty nice deal. Like yeah. that's not killing you. I it's, think maybe you could say like Josh Norris might be a little expensive at like 7.95. Well, we'll see. Um, right? But like he also scored 35 goals yeah. when he was healthy. So yeah. it's it's tough and he's a good two-way, he's a good two-way player. So it's, it's just one of those situations where you paid all your kids up front and there's nothing wrong with that. It's going to save you a lot of money down the road, but that's one of the, the kind of warts that you have to live with in the interim is, you know, a, right. And I think a lot of those kids are already out producing their contracts anyway. So what do you think of the fit for Tarasenko as we've seen some combinations through camp, 
Um, what do you like him on the left side so Batherson can stay where he is? Does he? It would I know we've seen Batherson play a little over there through camp just to see if he can do it. Like ultimately, how do you think this shakes loose and where they use him? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a really good question because I think he, in this morning's practice, I think they had him on the left side. And he wasn't on his natural right side. But I think the intent was to play him on his preferred side. And I think heading into camp, I think players like Giroux and Batherson expressed interest in going to the offside if, if it meant if it meant that he could be accommodated and, mm-hmm. and happy where he is. Um, but it's it'll be interesting because, like, in one of my write-ups that I'm working on, uh, I was looking at, like, maybe you maybe you augment him with a closure who is one of your better, like, two-way wingers who has experience playing in his offside, right. uh, which he did in Philadelphia. Maybe that's a combination that you want to work. But then if you move Giroud to the offside with Tarasenko, then who's the center? Because usually you wanted to kind of mitigate the fact that Tim Stussel isn't very good on face-off. So you right. pair him with Giroud. Right. And now if you move Stussel onto that line, then you're taking him away from Brady Kachuk, who essentially played exclusively with Stussel last year. Yep. So and that worked very, very well. Yeah. Like, you how do you, how do you complain about that production, right? right? So it there, there's a lot of like – there's a lot of room for experimentation. I don't know ultimately what they're going to figure out, but I like it. There's, there's, I'm assuming it's something that's going to carry over well into the season where it's just going to be constantly juggling. They have enough talent to make it work. It's just a matter of finding the right fits and, yeah. and whatnot. But like, same with the power play, right? Because like, I believe Tarasenko works off the same spot as Josh Norris. Yeah. Both guys are renowned for the finishing ability. You know, Josh Norris was coming off like a 35 goal year last time he was healthy. So, his shot's a weapon. You got to give him opportunities, especially on the first power play unit. So where do you fit Tarasenko in? Do you put him on PP2? Is that going to keep him happy? Is he going to be as productive there? It opens up a whole can didn't of... didn't seem to care for it. Well, <laughs> and that's part of it, right? You talk about fit and everything else. And I think like one of the things that the Senators have done, and this isn't just limited to like Tarasenko, but, like you look at like Jake Shikrin. It's like, okay, you're bringing a Jake Shikrin who's a very competent two-way defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he going to play as offside? Because you already have Tom Shabbat. You already have Jake Sanderson on the left side. You have Eric Branstrom on the left side. So, right. you know, like, like Ottawa's gone out and they've added like very good players. Like Tarasenko was the best uh, offensive player available at the time when Ottawa signed him. Yep. Jake Shakerin was the best defensive player available when they traded for him mm-hmm. at last year's deadline. And you've added two very good players who should make this team better. But when you talk about fits, I think that's when you can start getting into questions. It's like, okay, how does this, how do we make this work? How is how is this all going to work out? And I think when, if you're Piridori and you have to in your head you have to be thinking, well, hopefully these guys are talented enough where they can figure it out. Hopefully yeah. the guys that we have to support them on the in these pairings or on these forward lines are talented enough to make this work out. And I think like to his credit, I think there's enough talent on this roster to make it work. It's just the question of the fit might not be a, the perfect match, but I think it could be very good because these guys are very talented. Very talented. I should take this opportunity to let the good listener know on uh, on. On tomorrow, before the Leafs' first game, Jeff Vayette will be back on to do the, the the Leafs season preview with me, and that's one of the things we'll ask him about as well. I, the Leafs have a lot of interesting puzzle pieces, and I have yet to been able to figure out how they fit together. So we'll see as we uh, we move into that. But back on the on the sends, um, what do you think? You know, you you sort of brought up the idea, uh, you know, brought Chickern into this Tarasenko conversation. He was the big addition um, last year, I guess a couple weeks before the trade deadline and seemed to fit in pretty well right away. But now he's going to have a training camp, um, a full summer of knowing where he's going to be because he had already sort of made it clear before last year that he wanted out of Arizona. So there would have been a lot of anxiety is the wrong word, but 
uncertainty about what was going to happen and that would weigh on his mind. Now he knows where he is long-term, what this is going to look like, who he's going to be playing with. Um, do you like the pieces that they have back there? Is this a playoff top six defense? Um, and maybe, you know, it seems silly to say with the talent they have in the top four, it, the third pair might be the most interesting part. Who's going to fill that out, how, what that's going to look like? I think health permitting, I think the top four is good enough to get them in the postseason. Like I like even in the division, I think like Buffalo's got a decent top four with their two uh, their two big young horses back there in, yep. in power and Darlene. Um Toronto's is a bit of a mix. It's a bit of a mix right bag. Now. You yeah. have no you have no idea what's gonna happen there. Nope. Uh Montreal they're better than Detroit's got some young pieces, but I don't like the veterans that they have there. Right. Um you know, Tampa, Florida, Florida's kind of interesting. Are, well, are Florida is going to have two guys they, out, I think, to start, isn't I think Ekblad and uh, Montour, I think both out long-term to start the season. So, so that's a problem. Yeah. Tampa Bay's got their own issues right now. Yep. Uh, it's, I think Boston has a good blue line. It's probably yes. the strength of that team, right, after they lost all their talent up front. Um, so I, I think they're in the mix for having one of the better top fours in their division. So mm-hmm. I think that'll give them, or hopefully, conceivably, it should give them an edge. We'll see how... We'll see how it all shakes out. <laughs> it's one thing to say that on paper. It's another thing to actually go out and play games. Right. Doesn't matter. But um, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by what I've seen in the preseason, preseason so far. And I think you're right. I think like the third pairing uh, is perhaps the most intriguing simply because I know what to expect from Jake Sanderson and Artem Zub. I think Zub's their best defender. Jake Sanderson's on the upswing. I think that's probably going to, by the end of the season, that has a chance to be their most talented pairing in terms of like their two-way ability. Wow. Uh, Jake Shikran and Tom Shabbat. I think that'll be interesting to see who plays where, like who's who's on the left yeah, side. We've seen both the through the preseason, right? Yeah, and so they kind of shuffled around. They're experimenting, which is sure what they should That's be when doing. You do it. Yeah. They've had success uh, in the preseason games that we watched so far. So uh, you know, but again, like those are two veteran established players who are you know in their primes and should have, in theory, those two guys should have very good years. And right. I feel like especially with Shabbat, like I'm hoping for a bounce back season. I thought he was excellent offensively last year, but defensively left something to be desired. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with a stable partner on the back end. And I think Shikrin is talented enough to bring out the best in Shabbat. So we'll see what happens there. But you know, on that third pair, that third pairing though, like uh, what's that going to, and they have time early in the season here to still keep experimenting a little bit. Is we going to see much of, of Clevin this year? Is it, you know, is Brandstrom going to be the odd man? And that's here? a rub. Like we yeah. joked about, we joked about Sanderson getting Travis Hamannick that, that two year deal. Right. Yeah. And you've signed this guy for two years. He's going to be without his regular partner from last year. Can he have success? Can he have success? Can he have success? Away from Jake Sanderson. Right. I'm unique. Eric Branstrom had a phenomenal year last season, uh, but he's going to be tasked with uh, filling the Jake <laughs> Sanderson role where it's like, you, all right, you got to carry Travis Hammock for a year. Uh, unless, and this is this would be my concern because I think Branstrom's talented enough, but like the issues with Branstrom, obviously his identifiable weaknesses are pretty easy, right? Like mm-hmm. he's small. Can he, can he battle guys one-on-one down low? Uh, I think he's got great gap control. I think he's got the active stick to like make defensive plays in his own end, uh, which is just a different uh, form of defense than the traditional like run into guys, turn yeah. pucks over, uh, win battles along the wall and stuff. Like I think the shortcomings of Branstrom are obvious, um, and they're usually the kind of things that don't get overlooked by coaches, right? Historically, Especially a coach like DJ Smith. Historically, right? right? Like he he prefers like you look at what the fourth line has been for Ottawa so far in the preseason. It's been Mark Hasselick playing with Parker Kelly and Zach McEwen. You know, like no that's your typical, that's doing. your typical, <laughs> like that's your typical traditional 
fourth line. Yeah. I, I feel like the third pairing, you know, you have Tyler Clevin waiting in the wings, who left left defenseman. Uh, I feel like if Brandstrom Hamannick struggles, it'll be Brandstrom that pays the price for yeah. not Hamannick. I think you're right, uh, which is unfortunate. Yes. Um, because I think after the year that like Brandstrom had last year, I think he deserves a lot of opportunity to showcase what he can or cannot do. But um, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. I think like Bernard Docker is another guy who's there, so maybe he's an alternative to Hammond. Shine seems to be off him somewhat a little bit, eh? Like at some point, at some point, like he, what is he? Twenty three? I think he's like twenty two, turning twenty three, unless he's twenty three already. But like you've been in the system for a while. You played college hockey. You're you're a young adult. You should theoretically be in your prime. Like an NHL player's prime is typically between the age of 22 to 27 years old. Yeah. Like you kind of at this point in your career, you are what you are. Um. So, it, what does that mean? And we just haven't seen enough of him at the parent level to to really like ascertain what he is. Uh, he could just be a depth defenseman, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. It's just that might ultimately be what his what his long term projection is. Yeah. And um. I don't know. I, I feel like Branstrom does have experience playing in his offside. So if you wanted to go Clevin Branstrom, that could be an option for them. But I feel like it'd just be easier for DJ Smith just to go and say, well, Clevin and Hamannick, that's it. Eric Branstrom, you're a seventh defenseman. Because we already have enough yeah. offense. We have enough offense and everything else. And the organization we'll seemed to enjoy saying last year how, how great Hamannick was for Sanderson, right, to support this young kid. And that was just not what was happening. Narratives. Narratives are right. beautiful. And so they will be hesitant this year to say that Hamannick is the problem, right? You, you know what? In fairness to Travis, he's probably an awesome dude. He's sure. probably like a quality veteran. Like, I don't know what's going on in the dressing room. Obviously, neither do you or, no. or anyone no, else no. for that matter. Like, what you get is essentially coach speak and, and teammates speak about this guy. And, you know, you might be an awesome dude, might be a great glue guy. But, sure. you know, he, you're – Unfortunately, part of the, the part, room, part of in the room, part of being a fan and, and analyzing this team is like you can only judge him by what you hear from those people and the results on the ice. And like I think the results on the ice away from Jake Sanderson weren't encouraging, and it would have been the easiest thing to do to just to walk away from that contract yep. and that player. But he's back for another two years, yep. and it's not in the role uh, with the partner that he had success under. So. It's, it's going to be interesting, and um, that's just, you know, that's kind of the part and parcel of what's gone on the last few years under Pierre Dorian, where he's given a lot of um, uh, credit and and attention to the opinions of his coaching staff in terms of player, uh, player valuation. And he's brought in a lot of players that guys are familiar with, that they have histories with, and often it's worked to the detriment of the organization and in saying that i'm not i'm not dumping on i think they brought in good character guys sure. who might be good in the room and stuff but at the same time it's like the results on the ice aren't don't necessarily matter and you know we'll, we'll see what happens yeah well maybe one of the things that we did not uh put a lot of focus on when we were covering the uh the off season is is the place i want to go next and that's in goal it's you know anton forsberg as you mentioned recovering from double knee surgery which sounds just friggin' brutal uh he never and- had the surgery didn't have surgery? No. Okay. Just Gumby now out there? Kinda? Yeah. Just sweet. Yeah. Flopping around. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and they bring in Eunice Corpusalo. And this is another, this is a gamble. When Corpusalo was behind the LA Kings and, you know, a team with some structure and that played, you know, a, a good team, he was, he looked pretty solid. But in Columbus, behind a not very good team for several years. He had a hard time establishing himself as the number one guy, uh, except for that one week in the bubble where he punted the Leafs out uh, fairly easily, it looked like. Um, 
he's sort of had an up and down past. I kind of liked the signing, but I thought the length of it was asinine. Like it's it's way too long. What was your take on on Corpus Allo? Um Many of the same feelings. Okay, many of the same feelings. I like obviously the terms a little bit concerning like after the whole Matthew Murray thing which I mean it's not fair to hold Matthew Murray over anyone right sure but it's the whole oh, four years of Matthew Murray and then after one after a year you're like okay we're out that's enough we're of out. that that's enough of Let's that see if Toronto then, will take him you know like but I think you outlined the risk right like Corpus Allo is a guy who had essentially beyond his first season I think he had one other year Lap being last season where he was very very good mm-hmm. and everything in between was like hey, if you look at like evolving hockey's goals saved above expectation like he's double digits in the negative <laughs> so it's been very bad but I think you I think you outlined it very well I think you you said like he played behind some very weak Columbus Blue, Blue Jackets teams I think you know hopefully that's a function of that and then playing behind a little bit more talent um, you saw the best of of what he represents and you know he was also a player who had hip surgery at one point and then came back and he drew stronger for it so you know if this is a healthy and reinvigorated Corpus Allo, I think that's 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 a good that's a good add to the center's goaltending position because I think outside of Anton Forsberg who was coming off a double knee injury um, there's not much safely projectable talent um, available to them right now. I think Matt Sogar could get there eventually, mm-hmm. um, but it might a lot not necessarily. Of them right yeah, now. And, yeah. I, and I mean, okay, so if you went into the season with Forsberg and, and Sogard, and Forsberg goes down to a knee injury or to something else, like okay, now you're in a position where you're not only rolling with Sogard, but you're you're going to have to call up another young goaltender from uh, Belleville. Right. So is that is that viable? Is that even desirable? Is that something that you can be comfortable doing? And I, I think, by and large, the answer is no. And to go out and get our, what's arguably the best available goaltending uh, talent mm-hmm. on the market, I think that's what Pierre Dorian did. And were there other cheaper alternatives? Sure. Uh, it's easy to say, hey, go ahead and sign this guy. It's another get to actually go James out. Reimer. It's another thing to actually go out and do. And I think a function of the term that Ottawa gave to Corpus Allo is probably them that's trying to convince him. him. That's yeah. how you convince him to get here, right? Yep. So uh, I think you got to take that into recognition. And uh, how do you expect that tandem to play out? Do you are they going to let someone get hot and run with it as a number one? Do you expect this to be more of a true tandem kind of thing? Uh, I think it's a one A one B. Let the hot hand roll, right? Um, I, I think people will forget, I think what people forget about Anton Forsberg is that when he plays. Uh, when he has played for the Senators over the last three years, he's been very, very good. Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking at gold saved above expected, uh, again, off evolving hockey. And I looked at like the aggregate. Okay. Like over the last three years, like how many goaltenders have saved more goals, uh, than Anton Forsberg? And the answer is 15. There you go. Like, you know, like he, he's been very good. Um, and they need more of the same from him. I mean, obviously like coming off injury and stuff, like maybe he regresses, maybe there's a setback and he's, he's not the goaltender that he was, but I think you have to be encouraged with what he's played, uh, and produced to this point. And, uh, if you can insulate him a bit with a guy that he's comfortable playing with, I like both guys played the, um, uh, Cleveland, Cleveland AHL franchise, uh, in Columbus. And, um, they had success together before. So if you can kind of like, oh, I didn't know they had a history. Bottle that, okay, yeah. If you can bottle that and, uh, and bring it to the NHL level and see what, we'll see what happens. But, um, I, I don't think you could, it's, it's not fair to the kids in Belleville system no. to like rely on one of those guys this year. You know, do you think it, it sort of sounds like maybe you're higher on, on Forsberg than Corpus Allo? Like, 
50 I just think like the modern NHL anyways, like you, there is a you lot of tandem. You're never going to see another Martin Broder where he's playing 70 plus games a year. I, right. I think that's, you, you already see, I think it, it's like, if Vasilevsky was the last one and it apparently broke his back. Well, look at him now. He's, he might be out for a while. So, you know, I think even like Carey Price, like how long did Carey Price last? Yeah. Like, um, I, I think the modern realities of professional sports, like this extends far beyond hockey. It's like load management is such the buzz, the yep. buzz phrase, right? Like you want to keep your best players healthy and on the ice because when they are on the ice, that's when you have success. No, nope, true. So uh, I think it's the same with the goaltending position. I think pretty even split know, here. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised if it was an even split, yeah. uh, slightly tailored towards Corpus Allo's contract, especially because you have Forsberg. Uh, as an impending free agent. So right. I think uh, yeah. Corpus Allo will probably be the guy who gets the most opportunity to run, True, run yeah. with the ball. But if Forsberg plays really well, then I think they'd play the hot hand, whoever gives them the best chance to win. Sure. Uh, on the coaching side, I want to ask you about DJ Smith. Are you, I don't know how to phrase it, are you surprised he's back? And if this team stumbles out of the gating, we should mention the schedule I think it's five of six at home to start and then like 14 of 20 or something like that before Sweden all at home. Everything is set up here to have a good start. The Sens have struggled with that in the past. I don't know how much of that you want to put on the coach. That's up to you to decide for yourself, good listener. But he's certainly part of it. It's his job to get them ready to go. And if they get off to another bad one, does he even see Sweden? Well, I look at... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I look at the strength of schedule. Carolina, not an easy game off the hop. Nope. Then you have Philadelphia, should be a winnable game. They're rebuilding. Tampa Bay, Vasilevsky's hurt. He's probably not going to play. Right. Then you have Washington, non-playoff team. Detroit, non-playoff team. Buffalo, non-playoff team. The Islanders, one of the weaker playoff teams. Yep. And then you have Pittsburgh, non-playoff team, but they should be better this year. Mm-hmm. I think, like, you know, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So if you have nine games, I think, like, seven of those, you could say Ottawa would probably be favored right. in. And then depending on what happens in Pittsburgh and Tampa, you know, like sure, if they win five to six of those games, I'd say they're coming out strong mm-hmm. uh, or even better. If they can win more than five or six games, then they're laughing. But if DJ Smith goes like five hundred or sub five hundred with this like strength of schedule, like it's it's, I, I think you're opening the door to questions. And I think part of the reason why he's still here is because it took so long for this ownership situation to right. be resolved. I think like you have your. You have your whipping boys already in and that's in, it. A, in a row, right? Like I did a Ann show Lauer, on this not too long ago. Right, Larry's already brought in his guys. You've seen it with yep. like Sean Tierney, new director of hockey analytics. You have Steve Steos hired as a new president of hockey operations. Yeah. Uh, if this team doesn't get off to a strong start, I wouldn't be surprised if you see DJ Smith go. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Pierre Dorian go, and just clear house, get rid of all the vestiges from the Melnick era, and and bring in fresh voices with fresh ideas. Um, yeah. Maybe more credible options, or, or I shouldn't say credible because that's that's not really yeah. fair to the guys who are there. But like, <laughs> it's fair know, enough. People with more experience, or at least more experience in of having success. We talk about this all the time in sports, right? Like, and, and maybe it is unfair, maybe it isn't. But you have a coach who guides you through your rebuild, your bad years when no one expects much, and when it's time to turn the page, when it's time to contend. Often, it's not just it's not rare at all that it's it's. No, it's time to turn the page. It's time to bring in our guy who helps us win, right? Yeah. When, and so I wouldn't be shocked at all if they stumble out of the gate again. You don't have time to wait. No. This season is too important. Um, they may not wait long at all. To I, I don't know who that guy is. Like I don't know who's out there. Like Babcock is available again. I've heard. Um, <laughs> Claude not, Julian. Yeah, there's sure. been a bunch of there's a, there's a bunch of guys. Claude Julian's available. an interesting option, I guess. So. Um, and he's local. Yeah. Um, it's. 
Yeah, there there is definitely something to that. I think like it, there's an importance in having a players players first coach, especially with our young and rebuilding team. And they seem to like him a lot. Yeah, but the, he, by the same token, that's all they've ever known. Yep, they don't know what's on the other side, right? Yep. And eventually, it's like, well, if if he's a players coach and you've had it easy for the last like six years. Time to crack the whip. Well, not necessarily crack the whip, <laughs> but like put in someone who can actually, you know, maybe teach a bit more structure yeah. and, and kind of like, I think if you looked at Ottawa's games over the past like three years, uh, when they've been, you know, slowly, gradually getting better or more talented as their, as their young players get better mm-hmm. and have that natural development. Um, I, at times it's fine. It's, it's the lack of focus. It's the inattention to detail in the defensive zone. It's, it's it's the structure just breaking down completely inside the defensive zone where it, like you're like wow what's kind of going on there that's like those are like the moments where you can criticize it a bit but I mean they've had a little bit of success with their special teams and everything else so those are like, also the hardest things to fix in season right with no camp not a lot of practice time yeah it's not impossible but that would have been I I thought exactly what you thought that had this sale gotten done sooner maybe if with a month to go before camp you have time to bring in somebody else but i i think it's, and i think that was the hope too especially sure. if you want to extend it to the front office I yeah, think. yeah like you know same. like if you go back to like pre-july you're like oh god i hope the senator sale wraps up in june because then you could bring someone else in to get the, do the scouts and like do the draft yeah, do the free exactly. agency all of that and even stuff. that's probably a little late you know yeah. that's probably all like 11th this hour whole for thing a new, for a new manager and stacked well, up timeline wise pretty yeah. poorly for for the sentence but it's unfortunate yeah. it's unfortunate that this dragged out for a year right yeah. like it's in terms of scripting i mean we're you know, years from now, we'll probably say, hey, like, couldn't be happier with the owner. And you sure, know, you, you won't worry about when he actually no, formally took over. But like, yeah, just from like a short term perspective, because this is like you said, this is a really important season. You want to push for a playoff spot. You don't want to get off to a bad start. Um, would the transactions have been different had different people been in place earlier? That's a good question. But I mean, throughout the process, all we've heard is that Pierre Dorian's been in constant contact with Michael Anhauer, yes. um and what have you. But I think. It's it's kind of interesting to see like all these recent hires in the last like three weeks as we've grown closer to the time that Anlar formally took over this team. They like Tyranny, Steos, everyone mm-hmm. else, they're starting to come in and okay, so now we've we're starting to get the hockey ops staff beefed up. We're starting to get an analytics department. Does that mean more hires? Are we gonna get a beefed up coaching staff, like our scouting staff? Like what's have we taken the first steps? Are there gonna be more? What what should the next steps be or what will the next steps be for the organization? Right. Yeah, I think that's interesting, and it's. I think everybody. There you go. Everybody currently in their role, the coaches, the the general manager, probably looking around, going, "There's a lot of new faces here, and I'm not sure how long I have there." What'd you just crack into? Uh, sticking with Big Rig, apparently. Nice. Okay. Release the Hounds, Black IPA. Oh, that's a nice beer too. They make some nice stuff over there, man. I don't visit Big Rig often enough. But. They don't make. I find their stuff very safe. Yeah. Like, but I like make that. like I wouldn't say like their beer is like super high. But that black IPA or that dark. No, it's IPA, very good. Yeah, nice hits the spot. Yeah, but like they, I find like safe floor, low ceiling. Safe yeah, okay. Floor. Yeah, does that make sense? That's fair. Yeah. Uh, well, we've sort of danced around it here a bit. It is time for Ottawa to take a step forward. You now have a Tim Stutzla who is not a sixty-point guy. He showed that he's capable of being a ninety-point guy. Brady had a breakout offensive season. Jake Sanderson has shown that he is the real deal. Um, you know, pending, I guess, any potential sophomore slump. I'm not really expecting that, but it, it's theoretically possible. You've stabilized the goaltending. Are they good enough? Are they getting into the playoffs this year? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. It seems like most prognosticators are actually like pegging Buffalo to be higher than Ottawa, yeah. which I don't really understand. Like, I understand they have a lot of young talent like mm-hmm. Ottawa, but I find that Ottawa's highest end like, talent are we is a little bit sure that Tage Thompson is now a 50 goal a year guy. Well, he's a very good player. Yeah. And like, I really no, like Owen Power and I really like um, Rasmus Dalian. And even that Samuelson like, kid stay steady back there. But I find like Ottawa's young players are already at a f- maturity. Like, they're a little bit further ahead in their development than Buffalo's guys. Hmm. Especially up front. Like, yeah. yes. on, on the blue line, whatever, like Darlene, you know, like you have Shabbat, you have Sanderson, and you have Shekran, and then they have Darlene and Owen Power. Yeah. Like, all very good players. Uh, but up front, I think Ottawa's a little further ahead. I think Buffalo has a better, much better farm system, and there's a lot more pieces coming. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where maybe not this year, but like next year or the year after. Yeah, they, they could, could be they a could problem catch, for a long time. Oh, yeah, they yeah. could catch up and, and probably surpass Ottawa potentially. Um, but it's going to take. But it's going to take a while to get there. I think. I think like they're just kind of like the the talk of the moment. I think they're a little bit further away. Okay. But um, what yeah, do you think of Detroit? East, like I feel like Boston is older. Yep. They've lost a lot of pieces, especially up front. I like yeah. their defense. Their goaltending still should be decent, but um, they lost a lot of two-way forward talent. They also they have didn't a, really replace it, right? No, so. like is Charlie Coyle, Pavel Zaka, your uh, one-two exactly, right? center punch? Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like losing Hall, Bergeron, and um, Krejci, Krejci, yeah, are huge. And then like Brad Marchand's old; like he's like thirty-four, right? Pasternak is weird because I feel like he's been in the league for a, like quite a while. And then you look at his age and you're like, how is he still that young? It's, <laughs> it's crazy. I I look at Boston and, uh, you know, what were they, 135-point team? And that was with a lot of things going right. But, you know, they have a lot of cushion, I guess you'd say. Like the, a long – I've bet against Boston too many times to fall off and they have – and we, said, it in my face and we said the time. same thing last year, right? Yeah. You're like, well, they're older. It's probably time. And then, well, now they've actually lost. They've, Those they've two lost centers down, are right? huge. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know what to make of Florida. Are they the president's trophy winner of two years ago? Or are they the team that just barely scraped in and then went on a run to the final? I, um, You know, how injured, or how much do those two injuries to Ekblad and Montour hurt them early on? Or, you know, can they tread water long enough? I this would be, I've said it, uh, and, and you know, you can call me a homer if you want to, but I've never, through this entire time that the Leafs have had Matthews, Nylander, Marner, this group, I've never picked them to win the division. I do think there's a good chance Toronto wins this division this year, um, especially now with Vasilevsky looking like he's going to miss two months for Tampa. Uh, I just feel like this division is going to come back it's going to be compressed into the middle a little bit, right? You're not going to have these runaway teams at the top and then well, all this part of, fodder I, I think a function of that is the teams at the bottom are getting better. That's what I mean, right? They're getting so, markedly better. Right? Yeah, you so. don't get to just get easy points off Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo every night or Montreal, right? You have to... Oh, maybe Montreal. Maybe Montreal still, yeah. But you have to, you have to beat those teams now and they're getting better. And so they're going to be taking points off of you, which also brings you back to the pack a little bit, right? And so I think it is going to compress... A little. Maybe we don't see teams up at 111, 115 points sure. in this division. Maybe it's 102, 103, and, Tampa, and a lot of teams also getting older. That's probably the thinnest Tampa roster we've yeah. seen in a, like quite some time, right? And we've seen this happen to them year after year after year. Just pieces getting pulled away, right? The one year they had that whole third line disappear. Uh, McDonough last year disappears. Um, it it just they're not what they once were, and especially if Vasilevsky's going to miss a couple months, how much does that hurt them? 
you know, do, do they end up in a hole here early on? I, I don't know what to make of this division. It's really hard. I think I'm a little higher on Buffalo than you are. I think Ottawa-Buffalo are probably neck and neck all season and both there in that last week. I don't know if they're getting in or not, but I think in that last week of the season, Ottawa-Buffalo are both still there kind of knocking on that door. I think it comes down to goaltending too, yeah, right? Yeah. Because like Ottawa at times just didn't have it last year and then Buffalo, you know, is 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 Levy going to be the guy? Is he going to be a... Don't know. Like, <laughs> and how's he going to play? Like, yeah. How, how good is he going to be? So it's 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 going to be a dogfight. That's that's what makes hockey fun, especially that that rivalry. That was one of like the best rivalries like during my time growing up, like cheering for the team. It was, it was Buffalo. Like Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo, Ottawa. It was just like you hated those guys. It was that awesome. big brawl, that one. Oh, yeah. it was awesome. <laughs> Even like, like, you know, going from like the first playoff uh, series against each other to like, you know, finally, finally clinching and going to the Stanley Cup final. Like that was like. Yeah, that was against Buffalo, right? Yeah, that yeah. stretch, that era was just, it was awesome. Well, and they too were fast, so good too. too. People forget teams. coming out of that lockout, Buffalo was very Drury and Briere and. I don't know, Finnegan. See, I'll never forgive that that iteration of the Sabres because like they were kind of like young and fast and like the whole the whole narrative coming out of the lockout was like, oh, clutch and grab hockey, the trap is gone. It's yeah. just like we got rid of that. Now it's gonna be small and fast. Look at the Buffalo Sabres, look at how small and fast and awesome they are. <laughs> and it's like, all right, that was like that was essentially the narrative that helped the senators lose Zidane Chara. I'm convinced mm. of it. It's like, well, he's, can he can he keep up with these young fast forwards? <laughs> it's like uh then he plays for twenty more years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a number one, Look how that worked out. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get rid of the unicorn and we'll just we'll we'll, we'll roll forward. We'll keep Redden. Yeah, that's not going to go very well either. Wow, well, you know, that's a different conversation. It sure is. So I'm going to hold you to it. Are they getting in? Hmm. I think they could if everything breaks right. Yeah. Which I mean, in hockey, it's like how do you how do you project that? Yeah, it's very like there's so much parity. That's like that's a hard part about betting on hockey. I find it's like there's so much parity. Like the best players in the league oh, only yeah. play like twenty minutes a night um, at, at forward, and then defensemen a little bit more, obviously. But like, it's not even remotely shocking when the worst team in the league beats your team on a or my team. Like, I just you know, yeah. upsets happen all but the it's time like if, in the NHL. If an injury afflicted one of Toronto's top three, they'd be in a really terrible spot. Yep, hundred percent. And like that could conceivably happen. But just on the hockey betting thing, like it's nuts. It's a, it's a piece of rubber bouncing around on ice while guys stand on knives. And like, a lot of people just don't give credit to the fact that how much luck plays a part. 100%. In it's, yeah. It's crazy. But uh, you know what? I think Ottawa can. I think if everything goes right, I think if Josh Norris is healthy, I think if Shikrin slides in and gives the team a good top four. If the top four plays well and Josh Norris is healthy, I think they get in. Uh, and if Pinto gets his yeah. ass into into the lineup. But they have to tighten up defensively as well. Yep. Like, there's a lot of ifs. Like that's a is that a sign of a good team when you're like if ands or uh you know like, it's it's the it's sign hard. of a team on the come, yeah. right? It's a sign of, you know, maybe, maybe I you know it it's going to happen. Is it going to be this year? We'll have to see, right? Uh, it 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 wouldn't be crazy for Jake Sanderson to go on and have a Hall of Fame career, but that he falls into that sophomore slump this particular year, and that trips Ottawa up a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like it happens, right? It's like I not, guess it's not guess, always linear. I guess the way that I could say it is: Do I think Ottawa could be better than Buffalo this year? Yes. Do yeah. I think they could be better than Florida this year? Yes. Do I think they could be better than Tampa this year? Potentially. Mm-hmm. Potentially, if everything broke right and some bad stuff happened to Tampa. Do I think Boston? Could, do I yeah. think they could outperform Boston? Yeah, potentially. Yeah. With the Leafs, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, probably not, but maybe. It depends on depends on circumstances. Health, lots of yeah. things. Yeah. So, who who are your four? Uh, see, I think Boston falls out. I think they're okay. due for a big drop. Yeah. 
Uh, I would say Toronto Good. is probably top of the division. Yeah. Uh, I could see Tampa. I think Tampa's the top still of their too. lineup. I still think they're there. Right? And their top four is okay. Yep. Uh, but again, it depends on Vasilevsky. They don't have a number two. If they, they trade, not. they Eunice need to trade for a number two, but I'm assuming they will. <laughs> um, I see Toronto, Tampa. I'd say Florida. It's hard to like. It's hard to discount like. It's hard to discount President Trophy winners that got hot last year at the end of the season. Yep. Um, and then I could say Ottawa, Buffalo, Boston, Detroit, Montreal. Okay. I think Ottawa's. Poised I don't to think take that's crazy. Forward. I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I think I, Ottawa's poised to take a step forward. Yep. I think they're due for good things happening. Maybe the vibe around the team will change a lot more. Sure. But yeah. Uh, tell us about the blog. The season's getting up and going. There'll be lots to talk about as we move through it, and I know you'll be all over it. Tell people where they can find your work. Yeah, you can find it at uh, gnichols.substack.com. It's called Roman a Day. You can find me on X. I think no longer referring to it as okay. Twitter. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on X, to be honest with you. Uh, you might blue sky guy. blue sky. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you just search my name, Graham Nichols. Graham with two E's, not the H-A-M. Um, yeah. Okay. where you can find my stuff. We'll make sure it's linked in the show notes as well. At, uh, at oh, Talk I also Talk. did the player profiles for uh, McKean's Hockey Magazine. Oh, nice. Uh, for this season. So if people want to pick up that annual, support yeah. that. Support that. That'd it's be a awesome good read too. every year too. Like it's yeah. So was, I'm always uh, always happy to contribute there as well. So it's been uh, it's been good, man. Can't uh, can't complain. So we'll make sure all of that is linked in the show notes wherever you're hearing us and uh, at talkinaudio.com. I appreciate you doing this, man. It's fun every year. I'm glad you came in, and um, I think it's going to be fascinating here one way or another either this is going to go well and this team's going to make the playoffs for the first time in a while or it's not going to go well and you are going to see turnover like maybe you've never seen <laughs> a lot of positions all getting flipped mid-season that uh either way it's going to be a hell of a show so, uh we'll wind this one down here thanks so much for coming in man i appreciate no, it thanks a lot man really enjoy my time and uh don't forget the leafs fire up their season so jeff fayette will uh he'll be back in here and uh and we'll talk about uh, the leaf season in uh that, that lays out ahead of us. He's uh, he's done this the last couple of years as well. So uh, happy to keep those going. Uh, wherever you're hearing us right now, or at talkinaudio.com. For Graham Nichols, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time. That's it. I cannot work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.